Welcome. Welcome to Shout 8 of the Merlin I Am, the Crimson Circle. We're here at the Chambra Pavilion on Kona, excited about getting ready for this. As you can probably feel the energies, Jeff is inviting Adamus in. Quite a relationship for the two of them. So with that, let's find ourselves in the energies and really ready for Adamus. So with that, let's take some good, deep breaths. That deep and conscious breath. The breath of the I am, I exist. Take the good, deep breath and really allow. Allow yourself to open to this Merlin I Am, this Session 8. We're here, each of us. It's all just our energy. So take that good, deep breath. Be with that good, deep breath as we flow into this session. Aloha, dear Shambra, I am that I am, Adamus of Sovereign Domain. Ah, I'm just feeling all of you gathering around from all over the world, whether you're doing it here live right now or whether you're doing it sometime in what you would call the future, we're actually still all in the present moment. You could be tuning in a week, even a year a decade from now, and we're still all in the present moment. And that's one of the beauties about Eterna, about going timeless and being in time. You can do all of that together. I'm taking a deep breath, feeling into each and every one of you, what you're going through, what, what you're encountering in your life. And you know, I know it's difficult at times, but I'm smiling. <laughs> I am smiling. Not that I don't care. Not that it's, uh, I'm indifferent. I, I know it's difficult, it's challenging, but I also know that this is going to be the most memorable time ever for you. The most memorable. And I know that you make it. So knowing that you make it, knowing that you come to allow your realization, knowing that you stay on the planet here for many, many years to come, enjoying life, I, I can smile. I can be happy with it. I do implore all of you to make sure to try to savor the moments that you're in right now. Uh, even, even on the dark days, even with the tough stuff, even just when you're bored crazy, even when you're impatient, uh, I implore you to just enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, I don't want you to come to me later and say, Oh, Adamus, I wish you'd have said to enjoy what I'm going through, uh, because it is, it is bittersweet, you know, and bittersweet can sometimes taste pretty good. Sometimes there's a tendency to focus on just the tough stuff and to get into the, the worrying and the doubting and everything else, but, well, I'll talk about that later. You don't have the luxury to do that anymore. So you might as well enjoy every moment that you're going through. Yeah, the difficult times, uh, having to deal with, uh, I was listening to before when Calder and Linda were talking, having to deal with supposed customer service people, having to deal with governments and taxes. I, I know sometimes it's, it's very, 
oh, it's just very difficult and challenging, but actually enjoy this time. It really allow yourself, make it, that commitment to yourself to enjoy it. I, I would strongly advise each and every one of you to keep some type of journal or log, just quick notes to yourself. It doesn't have to be anything uh, tedious, but just little notes to yourself, a few times a week even. You look back at, over that later and you'll smile. You, you know how you look back at photographs, and in the moment the photograph was taken, you might not have been in a good mood. You might have looked kind of like crap, or you, so you thought. You might have been irritated about something. Uh, you might have been falling apart at the seams. But you look back at that photo years later, and it brings a big smile to your face. And you look at, first of all, how far you come. You looked at the beauty of that moment, even with its challenges. You look at the beauty of that moment, and, and it you know, kind of warms your heart. It's like that, keeping a, a journal, writing some notes to yourself, or, or drawing little pictures. That's fine, too. But you're going to look back and realize this was the most precious, and perhaps most challenging, but the most precious time of all your lifetimes. You're not just carrying the weight of you in this lifetime. Uh, what I mean by that is, as you come to your realization in this lifetime, it's bringing all the aspects back home. And sometimes the aspects are annoying. Sometimes they're outright angry. Sometimes it feels like they're working against you, but you're bringing them home right now. So you have that weight as well. You have the weight of past lives, which really, in a way, are aspects. You know, it's not like their history is written and it's all completed. No, they're changing right now. They're going through a metamorphosis in that lifetime as a result of you choosing your realization in this lifetime. So those lifetimes are actually changing. And what appeared to be a, a ship going in a one direction, and it was like headed in that direction in that lifetime, is now changing course in that lifetime. A better way of putting it is like, let's say that lifetime was a ship heading on its course, going through all its experiences and ending up at a certain place at its death. But now there's a second ship, and, and it's going on a different course. And that course is the realization of that lifetime, which can be felt by that very being of that lifetime, it, it suddenly feels something is shifting and changing, and it doesn't know what, it doesn't really understand it, but it suddenly feels like it's on a whole new path. In a way, it actually is, re, is, is experiencing things in a multiple uh, a variety of different ways. That lifetime from the past has its path that it took, but now it's taking multiple paths. It is experiencing things in several different ways all at once, no longer just linear, actually now multiple, a variety of different ways. And that lifetime can feel there's something going on. That lifetime knows that, well, it, it perhaps thinks it's the influence of angelic beings or, or God or something out there, but it suddenly feels like it's waking up, like it's changing its own course. That lifetime, at times, is, is frightened, and it's having very strange dreams about what's happening to it. That lifetime is confused, 
and there's nobody to talk to in that lifetime, but it also knows something monumental is going on at the soul level right now, changing the very course of itself. That's what's happening. And you're carrying that weight, but it's also a beauty. Stop and consider for a moment uh, how beautiful that is, that you could be going through your awakening into your embodied mastery, into your realization, while all of the past lifetimes are changing the very course of their lifetime. Well, yeah, sometimes all what you're going through feels very slow, very, very like you're going through mud or something, but you have all these other past lifetimes, but you feel into those for a moment. You feel the epic nature of what they're going through. And then you realize that as the designated ascendee for all of your lifetimes, you realize the beauty of this moment. It's not just about you in this lifetime uh, clawing and, and struggling and trying to get to realization. It's, it's not about that at all. It's about the whole evolution of all the lifetimes. It's about the transformation on a soul level, the transformation of, of your wisdom, of bringing wisdom now. Wisdom is just flowing into the soul, and that wisdom is accessible to you right now. It is opening up the potentials that were never seen before, opening up potentials that you had blinders onto, and, and the past lives had blinders onto, and now it's like, it's like a brilliant new sun illuminating that forest of potentials, anything you could choose from. That's what's happening right now. And it's like your energy now, instead of being something foreign, something distant, something unfamiliar, that energy is now realigning to serve you. That's what's happening. And that's why I say, please, please, <laughs> for my sake and the sake of your stories, when you get to the Ascended Masters Club, enjoy every moment of this. Savor it, uh, what you would call the good times or the bad, because ultimately you realize it wasn't bad times. It wasn't bad times at all. It was just going through sometimes bumpy changes in your life. And as you know, this all comes about by this wonderful thing I call allowing. I know you're tired of hearing the word allowing, but I'm going to keep talking about it until you really do allow. Everything that is going on with you right now is natural. It's not the human who can do realization. The human can choose to experience what it's like going into it and through it, but the human doesn't do it. Everything, including bringing wisdom into your life now, Everything, including uh, everything you're doing, is really about allowing. Allowing. You don't work on allowing. You just allow it. It's a. It's natural. Everything you're going through is natural. You're going to get there anyway, sooner or later. With allowing, you really say connect with that your soul and. You allow the transformations that are already occurring, and not because you thought about it a lot, and not because you meditated a lot. It's simply because you allow it. Uh, and, and just to demonstrate something I did in a recent Chambra gathering, so good to be back with Chambra, something I did in, in a recent gathering to help you understand allowing a little bit more, I <clears throat> asked for a prop here. 
It's this simple. Mm-hmm. Not allowing. Not allowing. 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 You don't need that umbrella over your head anymore. You don't need to shield yourself from your own self. You held that umbrella out for a long, long time, shielding yourself from God knows what. Shielding yourself from energy that you thought was somewhere else, belonged to something else. Shielding yourself from, from even from your soul. Shielding yourself from uh, human consciousness. Shielding yourself so you wouldn't be seen. Allowing is like this. No need for that umbrella anymore. You just allow. Ah, yeah, you're going to feel vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Only to yourself, only to your soul, only to your own energy. You throw away the umbrella and you think, well, now it's going to rain on me. Look look what Adama set me up for. It's going to rain and thunder and lightning. That rain really isn't rain. It's just your perspective. That rain is actually the wisdom coming from the cloud of your soul down to you. The rain is actually the energy that's all yours to begin with, and now it's coming down, but when it hits you it's not cold and wet. It's warm, and, and it's, like a, it's like a beautiful blanket that hugs you and reassures you. That rain coming down, what you thought was rain, you come to understand, every drop is just a potential of what I can choose to experience in my life. And then you realize it's not rain at all. It is your soul, your divinity, coming here to you in this human 3D reality. It's your wisdom and your energy and your potentials. It's the Master all coming here. And suddenly you realize it's not rain. It's actually beams of light from myself to me. It's actually my past and my future now coming to me, and it's all gathering here right now. And you start to realize, for so long you thought it was rain. You sought to protect yourself, to shield yourself. You put up a veil to protect yourself. And now you take a deep breath and you throw that umbrella away and you allow and as you allow the perspective changes, the perception of what was a nasty storm cloud, you now realize it is the warmth and the comfort and the compassion of your own soul. What you thought were raindrops, cold and driving with wind against your body, are just rays of your own light, all coming here right now to be with you. That's allowing, putting away that umbrella. That is allowing. Taking a deep breath and opening up to yourself. That's allowing. You don't have to chart the course. You don't have to figure out the, the logic. You don't have to do the reasoning into all how all this happens. It's going to happen. It's only for you to experience the beauty of it. Yeah, and sometimes the, the difficulties, but that's beautiful also. 
It's only for you to allow and to experience. Ah, that fills the soul with rejoicing to be able to do that, to be consciously aware of what you are in the midst of experiencing right now. That, that is profound. That is a master. Let's feel into that for a moment. Yes, I'm very, very passionate about this. I'm passionate because I'm watching you. I'm watching how your past lives are transforming. They'll never be the same again. I'm watching how even what we would call a future life, which really isn't in the future, how that's transforming. Everything is converging around you in this lifetime right now, and sometimes you're oblivious to it. You're oblivious. You're doubting yourself. You're wondering uh, you know, what you should be doing. You're, you're hard on yourself. You're, you're wondering where your passion is, why things aren't working out, because you're not in this beautiful moment of divine experience while all this is happening around you. Don't make your story the one that you're going to tell at the Ascended Masters Club. Don't, don't have the story as one, I had no idea what was happening. I was so lost. I didn't even know what was happening, and then it happened, and then I realized. Make your story. I was aware of every moment of my realization, of my mastery, of staying on the planet as an embodied master. I was totally aware of my energy, of my potentials, and of my wisdom. Let's take a good deep breath for that. I I get very passionate. I can't wait to get back with my audiences so I can just be in your face with this. I mean, right now I can kind of be in your face, but I, I want to be in the physical face. Ah, good. So, hello, dear Linda of Isa. Well, hello, sir. How have you been? Pretty good. Oh, <laughs> God, jeez. Uh, what did you say? Excellent. Couldn't be better. Good. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to BS about it. But pretty good. I don't like that. Pretty good. I like grand. Why not? Can you say that? Grand. Thank you. Yeah. Boy, you looked at me like what? Anything less uh, is not expected of me. Thank you for being grand. Uh, so before we go any further with our uh, discussion today, let's talk a little bit about what we did in our last shout session. Mm. We talked about being in sync, E-N-S-Y-N-C, in sync with yourself. That means synchronized with your energy. There comes a point where the energy is no longer out there. It's all here. It feels unfamiliar at first. And then you realize, no, damn it, this is mine, and I'm going to allow it. I'm going to put down that umbrella. And you know what we need, dear Linda? What, sir? We need. Uh, we need chambra umbrellas like that, but crimson colored. Sure, and, and uh, just brilliant crimson color and okay. uh, chambra, maybe the uh, um, uh, the words written on it. Yeah. And so chambra could practice at home okay. with their umbrellas. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I know yeah. you're excited about this. Yeah, I'm yeah. writing it down. Good. You didn't write. You didn't. You pretended you wrote. You didn't really write that. Chambra umbrellas, what a great idea. Wish I'd have thought of it sooner. So how how will we distribute these? I don't that's not my problem. That's you know, find a way. Um, allow Linda. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. 
So uh, let's move on before I'm caught on that one. Where's the, the I don't know hat? Oh, back in Colorado, I guess. Uh, let's move on. I didn't say I don't know. No, I said I don't know. And oh. you didn't catch me. But the crew, I, the crew here did. They're all like gasping. Two of them fainted, actually. And uh, it's like gasping. I try, I try to be tolerant of you. <laughs> you try to be tolerant. Is it difficult? There are moments. Really? Once in a while. You've gotten much better. Are you talking better. about Caldra or Adamus? Oh, do I have to differentiate? Maybe both. Maybe <laughs> and. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Being in sync with your own energy, it's about being in harmony with it. It's about being in grace with your energy. Up to now, it's often felt like it was very bumpy, uh, kind of dissociated, maybe not really part of you. Once you get back into the flow physics of your own energy, mm. everything smooths out. Flow physics. There's a natural rhythm or flow to your energy. It's all yours. I mean, it doesn't have like a, a particular beat or sound, uh, but it's a feeling. You know those days where you're just in the flow. Everything is working out, and you don't even have to work at it. I mean, it's just happening. It's like somebody's rolling out a red carpet right in front of you, and it's all working out. Mm. You you have those once in a while, but then there's the days, the bad days, where nothing is working. Everything is out of sync. Uh, the, the harder you try, the worse it gets. Uh, it's, it's just one uh, problem, one disaster after the other. Uh, you just can't wait for that day to end. Part of it is you're experiencing right now is kind of this changeover, kind of a mm -hmm. turnover from the old relationship with energy where it was somewhere else, now to your own. And there are times when it kind of uh, is, is feels like it's out of resonance, it's bumpy and it's, it's choppy. That goes away pretty soon, and it starts to be this new flow physics in your energy where it's just flowing. And you might get up in the morning and just feel you may, maybe had crazy dreams, which is to be expected right now, mm. and you're just feeling out of sorts. And you take a deep breath and you just feel back into the flow physics there's a flow to your energy. There's a grace to your energy. You take a deep breath and you just allow that. You, you take down the umbrella and you just allow it. You don't think about it. You don't stress on it. You just allow. You know, uh, thinking uh, is the antithesis of allowing in a way. Thinking and allowing, they're, they're almost like vinegar and oil. They, they don't work very well together, so you just allow back into your flow physics the grace, that red carpet that just is being rolled out by you right in front of you. And then you finally get to the point where you're so familiar with that, that flow physics, your, your own physics, you don't really have to worry about it. It's just always there. Once in a while, if you get sidetracked, you take a deep breath back into your own mm. flow physics, and things just work out much, much easier. As I said in our last gathering, then there's also uh, the kind of the, 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 its counterpart, uh, super-sensory. Mm. As you take down that umbrella and as you get back into your flow, you will become more sensitive, more aware at every different level. And 
we talk about flow and the beauty of it, but part of the challenge is in the sensitivity that, that you're developing. You become more sensitive to everything, and initially, for instance, you may develop allergies that you've never had before because you're very sensitive now uh, to particles in the air, to maybe even plants and flowers. But a lot of times, well, a lot of times it's just the the pollution in the air, and a lot of times it's what I call the human allergy. You're allergic to other humans and their <laughs> energy. No, seriously. Uh, that that carries more allergic reaction where you are now than than flowers and weeds and things like that. Wow! But because you're sensing the energies and you're becoming more aware of them, and there's part of you that wants to reject them, uh, say throw them out. They they don't quite fit in. But the more you get into your flow physics, the less you realize you really don't have to reject anything. Ultimately, it's actually all your energy. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to sneeze it out or get watery eyes. There is a wonderful level of acceptance. You get more and more sensitive to thoughts. Thoughts are floating around in the air, uh, just like radio waves. You get more sensitive to them. You, and when that sensitivity comes in, it'll be more towards the drama at first, because drama holds more. Dynamics than um, mm. just somebody going grocery shopping. So you're going to pick up on fear. You're going to pick up on uh, other people's uh, dramas, their angers, their hatred, and things like that. You become more sensitive. You're going to feel more of the weight of the world because now you're more sensitive to mass consciousness. But then, then you realize now this really isn't mine. I am aware of that which is not me. I'm aware of the energies that are out there that aren't mine, but they don't have to influence me. They don't have to change the natural flow physics of my energy. Hmm. I can be aware, but it doesn't have to disrupt me. And then at a certain point, there's a, um, something quite lovely about being that aware of everything, of course your own energy, but then others. Uh, their, their energy, their soul beings, and you no longer worry about is it going to totally disrupt you or uh, distort you in some way. And then it's kind of fun. You can feel into people's energies very openly and, and not judgmentally, uh, just by but observing. You could feel into the other energies and, and, and you become very acutely aware of who they really are. Not just the words they're saying or uh, the the face that they have, but you become acutely aware, and that's where it gets fun. Being so aware and realizing that it's really not in your energy, but you're sensitive, super sensitive to it. You become super sensitive to uh, the what, what you call the other realms. The, the other realms are all around; they're not somewhere else. But you become aware of. The ghosts and the spooks, but you're never worried about them. Mm. They can't do anything to you unless they can fool you into doubting yourself. They can't gobble you up. They can't uh, bite your legs off. They can't um, take you into some sort of demonic hell. You're aware. Wow, there's a lot of disincarnate beings roaming around the planet Earth right now. There's a lot of energies from even uh, going to an old house. There's a lot of energy that's still there from somebody who might have lived there 
50 years ago, 200 years ago. And it's kind of it's kind of exciting, kind of fun to st- start being super sensitive. You just have to remember you can control it or I don't like that word color. You can turn it off. You can put it off to the side any time you want and come back to just you. The sweetness of who you are. Let's take a deep breath before we go into today's discussion. Hmm. Let's put on some music and feel into the being in sync with your own energy hmm. and being super sensitive. I bring these things up because I know that's where you are right now, or at least where you're headed to very shortly. I know it's been kind of bumpy with your, with your energy. You're making a big change after eons of time of either not knowing what energy was. That's what the angels were trying to find out before Earth. But what is energy? Eons of time of searching. What is this thing called energy? And you're changing that dynamic right now in this lifetime. I mean, this is the big lifetime. So yes, it's going to be a little bumpy at times because you're really flipping, reversing the whole thing with your energy, your orientation to it, your your understanding of it, your flow physics with your own energy changing all that right now. It's, it's monumental. <laughs> That's why I say, please, please enjoy the experience every day. Stop griping about it. Enjoy what you're going through, because it is really big. developing a new relationship with energy, and soon you'll come to consciously understand really how to get it to work for you. And it's not by thought. It's not by having some nice positive affirmation on that. You'll come to understand really how energy can serve your desires and your passion. Not for the little stuff. Don't don't waste don't waste your time on the little stuff, but on your real desires and your real passions. Everything else falls into place. Shame on those who would who would waste uh, the the energy and the time on just trying to get energy to to yeah, to give them a few more a few more dollars. That'd be a real waste because that stuff all happens naturally. As I said in one of the many things that we've done recently, you know, the human the human desires a coin. A master allows a treasure. Human wastes their energy just worrying about an extra dollar or euro, peso or yen. What a waste of really good energy and time. So limited. And the master the master just allows the whole treasure, allows the whole thing. Doesn't doesn't worry about 
the little stuff because that is part of flow physics. It just is there. It has to be. The master allows the whole treasure, and the whole treasure it's material things. It's, of course, material abundance. It's the health. It's also just the wisdom and, and the joy. The master allows the whole thing, the whole treasure, not just limiting it. So here you are now at this whew, time of great um, change, flip, turnover, do, do over, roundabout, whatever you want to call it. It's a huge transformation right now. You're in the midst of it. And on top of that, you're getting very super sensitive. And they kind of, well, they, they work, uh, they occur in tandem, but sometimes it appears that they're working against each other, and they're not. They're not. You're just becoming more sensitive, more aware, as you're really getting in sync with your own energy. Let's take a deep breath with that and feel into where you are right now in your life. The, the epic nature of what you're going through. Okay, let's take a good deep breath. We have things to talk about here. Good. So I miss my Chambre, I miss you. I miss the audiences at the Shoud. I, I, I have, we've even proposed that they put in these uh, cardboard cutouts of you at the Shouds, just so it feels like the room is more full. I miss the interactions that I have with you. Yeah, I miss the cajoling. I miss the provoking. I miss the humor. I miss oh, I, I miss the humor so much. Uh, it's hard to do humor when you're not there, because the humor is generally at your expense. So how do I do humor? At my expense? I don't think so. Not so much. I enjoy the energy. And you know when there's 50, 60 of you sitting uh, at the studio for a shout, it's like almost a magnet that attracts all the others of you who are at home sitting at your, your computers. It's like you become the anchor for them, and, and then they gather. Uh, when we do a shout, and how long's it been now? Um, a year or slightly more now that there's been no audiences. Uh, the workshops now lately, yes. And I had so so much built up passion uh, and longing for Shambra. I think I overdid it with some of the past few groups. I, I think I may have been a little intense with them. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's just this deep longing to back, be back with Shambra. So, here we are once again, without an audience. What to do? What to do? So, go ahead, pick on me. So, I, uh, I, I don't want to overdo it, Linda. I don't, don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to cause you any permanent damage. So, no, <coughs> I don't want to overdo it. So what I would like to do is I, I've created a theatrical device. Mm-hmm. By the way, every one of you has a lot of theatrical devices that you can use at any point. You just have to pull them out of your back pocket and use them once in a while. Theatrical devices are great, and they actually really help 
with energy flow dynamics because you get out of your head now you're just acting so mm. yes uh, so i've got a little theatrical device i'm going to tell a story okay and it'll be a master story sure and uh, which you're familiar with uh, the master and in this case uh well the master and uh, the questioning students and would you play the role of all the students who are gathered around listening to the master. Oh, I would love to. I have a good history of being a very good student. Good, good. So okay. you're going to you're going to be represent sure. all of them. Sure. I'm going to play the role of the master, Shocking. which is very easy for me to do. Okay. I don't really don't have to work at okay. it. Okay. I'm going to play the role of the master and we'll tell this story. Okay. With the questions which you have okay. from the students. As a way to kind of bring back an audience. Oh, okay. 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 So, let's take a good deep breath together before we get <sighs> yeah. started. Okay. A master story, and, and again, I'm playing the role of the master. Linda is playing the role of multiple students. Okay. The master pulled up a chair under the big oak tree on this beautiful summer afternoon. About 20 students were gathered there. It was not a formal class. It was just a casual gathering that they did once in a while. The master and some of the students, the students really looked forward to it because this was out of the classroom. It was a little bit uh, easier going, a little bit uh, uh, maybe not as intense. Uh, some of the students jokingly called it the Zen Unzen uh, gathering because mm. Oftentimes they got into the big, big Zen-like questions and then realized then it was time to unzen. So the master sat down in his chair, mm -hmm. <clears throat> took a drink of his coffee, in which case this is actually not coffee, just so you know. I'm a little disappointed. Not my fault. But I'm still disappointed. The master took a drink of his coffee. Should we get you coffee? We could do that, you know. No, I'm fine. Don't don't you worry. Don't, you don't, don't sound fine. worry about me. No, no, please. Uh, so the master, the master sat down, took a sip of his coffee, which one of the students had so kindly gotten for him, and brought it there, even though he didn't ask, because the students were always anticipating the master's desires. If that's uh, that might be a little hint, but maybe not. I'm master, working on it. The master took a deep breath with the students and said, "Today." Today we're going to talk about one of the oldest debates, the philosophical debates ever, hmm. that has been almost beaten to death. But today we're going to talk about it in relationship to what you're going through in your journey. Today we're going to talk about happiness. Oh. Happiness. I ask you now, said the Master, I ask you to feel into happiness, your own level of happiness. What is happiness? Is it something that can be achieved? Is it something to be desired? Is it simply a philosophical, meaningless debate? But feel into happiness for a moment, each and every one of you here today. Are you happy? Is it even important to be happy? So after a few minutes, one of the students realized the master's coffee cup was empty and then brought forth the new cup of coffee. 
on cue, of course, brought forth the new cup of coffee. <clears throat> ah, there we go. Oh, magic! Who knew? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who knew? Thank, Thank you for anticipating my needs. Uh, brought about a new cup of coffee. Um, good. And I'm going to ask you, Linda, to please, yeah. And the master then said, uh, at this point now, I'd love to take any questions that you have about happiness. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Master, should we strive for happiness? Whoa, one more creamer, dear. Should we strive for master for happiness? The master said, taking a sip of his cup and of his coffee and recounting what Nietzsche once said that humans should not strive for happiness. No human actually does strive for happiness other than the English who do all the time. <laughs> I'm not really sure what Nietzsche meant <laughs> by that, but but basically no humans actually don't strive for happiness. They think about happiness. They would like happiness, but they get so busy in their everyday lives that they simply don't put it as a priority. They get so busy with things like making money, uh, taking care of their children, trying to resolve problems at work, those things that, no, actually, humans really don't strive for happiness, said the Master. Looking now for the next question. Master, will fame and fortune bring happiness? Hmm. Fame and fortune. Fame and fortune occur in the pursuit of happiness. One tries to acquire more money, for instance, thinking that it will bring happiness. One feels that fame, even acknowledgement, is is the path to happiness. But ultimately, happiness is unto itself and doesn't require fame or fortune. You see, these are only pursuits to happiness, but do not necessarily result in happiness itself. No, no, it's not about uh, having, to, having to interject these other things. Uh, happiness stands on its own. Hmm. Happiness truly is uh, as they say so often, uh, not, uh, not a goal, not a destination. And when it's put in that term, then it's almost elusive, but happiness is in every moment. And that's why I tell all of you, my students, that it's about every day that you're here at the school. There are tough days and there are easy days, but every day can have itself woven with happiness even in the most difficult of times. And that's, that's one of the reasons that you're here, to understand that, to understand that it's not about judging where you are or how you are, but it's going through the experience and then feeling the inherent happiness in that. Master paused for a moment so everybody could reflect on his great, great words of wisdom. He noticed, though, out of the corner of his eye, several of the students were sound asleep, <laughs> such as it is being a master. He then took the next question. Master, can I achieve happiness through reasoning? If the master's eyes had been open, you would have seen his eyeballs rolling <laughs> with this question. Can I achieve 
happiness through reasoning. Master took a deep breath as to avoid the annoying sound that might have otherwise been in his voice and said, Temporarily, yes. Uh, temporarily, you can, you can use thoughts and even reasoning to create the illusion of happiness. You could tell yourself that you have money in the bank. You could tell yourself that your children love you. You could tell yourself that you're more successful than a lot of other people. You could tell yourself that you're ahead of your life goals that you had laid out for yourself, and that brings a certain amount of what I would call false happiness, sugar happiness. But no, ultimately, ultimately, the real happiness, the real happiness that comes in your life is not from these other things, but it comes from the soul. From the soul, and the real happiness is knowing that you're in your passion, you're following your passion, knowing that you're finally coming to allow and accept yourself. Those, those are the important things. The Master closed his eyes once again, waiting for the next question from the audience. Master, I came from an unhappy family. Is that my destiny? Ah, oh, this was a big one for so many of the students coming from an unhappy family. There's an old saying, said the master, that goes, happy parents, happy children. Unhappy parents, very unhappy family. About 50% of happiness is literally in your genes the moment you're born. Well, it's a carry through from the ancestral genetics, and it makes up to such a huge degree of your happiness capability, or at least your happiness awareness in that lifetime. If your parents are unhappy, the chances are you're going to be also. You're picking up on their energies. You're now in that unhappy cycle in, in this life. So generally, yes, about 50% of your genes uh, carry the, the happiness with them. About 10% simply comes from, you would say, good fortune, things lining up, or what I would say to be your energy serving you, if you allow it. And yet about another 40% simply comes from, uh, from mass consciousness, from your environment, from your reality and your perception of reality. So in answer to your question, you know, is this your destiny if you had unhappy parents? And the chances for most people is yes. But once you stop for a moment and you realize you're no longer dependent on them, you may love them dearly, or you, or you may loathe them, it doesn't matter, but you're no longer dependent on them and happiness is not found in your genes or in your DNA, that happiness doesn't have to uh, come as a result of karma, or unhappiness rather, as a result of karma. You're free. In every way in your life, you're free to be happy. It's an inherent right. It is the way of the soul, what you would call happiness, or in the case of the soul, being content. The human is happy, the soul is content, and it is your right. And once you take back that right, no longer letting society or, uh, or even luck or your family dictate your level of happiness, 
then you'll realize that it was always there, but it was being suffocated and, and colored dark by, by your own family. And that's why it's so important to realize that you are a sovereign being, not beholden to a family, to ancestors, or to lineage. While you may love them dearly as soul beings in their own right, it's no longer appropriate to be passing down karma and unhappiness and things like disease and alcoholism and depression and all these things through the family lines. So now, said the Master to the students, it's totally up to you. Do you accept your own happiness, or you continue to rely on the family quotient? He took a deep breath and remembered then his own family, the difficulties and the challenges, the disruption and the chaos when he was growing up, realizing for so long, long, long before he became a master, and he was following in the steps of an unhappy family. And it was only, only when he was in his darkest moments of despair and said no more that he left that and he went out to pursue his own self and his, ultimately his own happiness. He took a deep breath and paused, waiting for the next question. Master, are you saying that happiness is a choice? Happiness is a perspective. Happiness is is a choice, absolutely, but it can't be forced through a lot of reasoning. It can't be forced through trying to think your way into it. What you do is to realize that in happiness is the gift of the soul to the human, and it's your right. It's been your right all along, and now it's the question, will you allow it? And the better question is, why won't you allow it? Hmm. And generally the reason for that is because you're still depending on external things, people and events, uh, and you're still relying on your old human goals and aspirations, the old ones, to determine your level of happiness. And therefore, it's going to be elusive. It's going to be almost impossible. Once you realize that happiness is the gift of the soul to the human, the the soul knew the human was going to be going through challenging experiences, and the soul said, and here is this gift of this thing we call happiness. Not, not pleasure. That's a different thing. Pleasure is a man-made uh, feeling and emotion. Happiness is the gift of the soul, and it's there for each and every one of you when you're ready and worthy to receive it. And the Master took a deep pause and, and a little bit of coffee, waiting for the next question. Master, I have happy memories, but overall I'm not happy. Hmm. Is that all happiness is? Memories? For many people, yes. For many people, they can find happiness when they go back into memories. When they think of when they were a child, they, they look at a photo of something, and even though at the moment the photo was taken, they may not have been happy, but they look back now into the happy memories of it. Indeed, there are also bad memories, oh, horrific, terrible memories, but, but yes, happy memories. There are dreams of happiness. When you think into the future, you dream into the future of what it's going to be like um, five years or ten years from now. It can bring a smile to your face, realizing you're through with all this difficult transformation. 
you're through with relying on other people. You smile when you realize that energy is just there. It's, it's just serving you, and it's so effortless and so artistic and creative all at the same time. You smile, but that doesn't necessarily make you happy in the moment. As a matter of fact, for most people, happiness is in the past or the future. It's not right now. Mm-hmm. They don't allow it in in the moment to just be happy. Many people feel guilty about being happy because they compare themselves to others and say, until we're all happy, I can't be happy. Mm-hmm. Others are so busy in the mental processing, worrying about things and doubting themselves in the moment, in the present time, that they simply aren't aware of this natural gift of happiness that's right there. And happiness, happiness can coexist with with things like worry, happiness can coexist with having a bad day. It's all right there. It's simply a matter of perspective, how you choose to look at it. The Master took a deep breath and waited for the next question. But there was quite a pause as the students were reflecting on, on all the words he had to say. He smiled to himself happily, thinking, Today I sound a little bit like Kalil Gibran. All these wonderful questions. He waited a moment and the next question came up. Master, what is the difference between peace and happiness? Yes. And the Master smiled to himself. Yes. In a way, they're both the same because they're both without conflict. Peace is when you come to terms with yourself. Peace is when you realize there's no more battles inside or outside anymore. Peace is when you recognize that all things are as they should be, even when they don't appear to be, but all things are are as they should be. That creates a sense of peace. And in the peace, then, one can remember this natural gift of happiness that's in their lives. It's difficult to recognize that gift. It's difficult to have that happiness when you're not at peace within yourself. But when all things are accepted, there's no longer the fights and the battles. When the dragon is no longer the adversarial energy that it was before, when the dragon is now your pet, then it's much easier to feel that happiness, that gift that's already there. And the next question came up suddenly. Master, what is the difference? What is the relationship between self-worth and happiness? Yes, said the Master once again, yes. They're very closely associated, self-worth and happiness. Mm -hmm. Self-worth is your perception about yourself. Are you worthy? Self-worth is the way you view who you are. Are you viewing yourself through a clear, pure mirror, or are you viewing yourself through cracked mirrors? Are you viewing yourself as you see others viewing you, or are you seeing viewing yourself from the perspective of your soul? That creates a a level of self-worth where happiness is a little bit different. It's not about a perspective. It's simply about a state of well-being, a state of acceptance and grace a state of realizing that you do have a right to be happy. As long as humans have lived on the planet, 
humans have been unhappy to varying degrees. As long as humans uh, have been here fighting with others and ultimately fighting themselves, placing great demands on themselves in so many different ways, this, this happiness, this state of well-being has not been there. Humans are full of stress right now. They're busy, busy, busy in their lives. They're always trying to achieve something. They equate uh, their success based on things like money and friends and, and even health. And ultimately, that doesn't really bring happiness. Obviously, it doesn't bring happiness. And it's difficult to be in that state of beingness. But when you realize that, you are worthy when you realize that there's no need anymore to feel any guilt and shame about anything. You are worthy. Then it's so much easier to be in this state of happiness. The Master took a deep breath and smelled the air. There was a slight breeze had come up, and he could smell. He could smell the energy changing with the group. You know, energy is so easy to really smell in terms of perceiving it, and he could smell that something was changing. And sometimes, when there's big changes going on, it's not always a pleasant smell. But as that smell passes through, the unpleasant odor of a deep change taking place, then it opens way to a sweet smell, a smell of nectar, a smell of honey, a smell of fresh-baked cookies. The next question came up from the students. Master, can I have challenges and adventures and be happy? Absolutely. Challenges and adventures in your life, some that you specifically and consciously choose, others that just ha happen, can, can cloud this whole thing called happiness. It can, it can make it seem distant or not even uh, uh, there at all. But ultimately, yes, in every adventure, in every challenge, even though you're going through difficulties, uh, there is happiness when you realize one very simple thing, that you're the one setting up all the challenges and all the adventures in your life. You're the one that wants to dive deep into experience, whether the experience is being a drug addict or the experience is climbing the Himalayan mountains. You're the one setting all of it up. When you realize that, you can find happiness even when you're being very challenged, even when you're in some sort of uh, what even might be a frightening adventure. It might simply be deciding, finally, you're going to leave the job that you're in. You're going to open your own business. That's frightening. That's a big adventure. But when you realize you're setting all this up, and you realize that it's a great opportunity to really walk your walk, talk your talk. It's a great opportunity to let your energy serve you. Yes, there can be happiness, even in times of, of stress and adventure and challenge. The Master waited for the next question. Master, is happiness a thought or a feeling? Yes. Happiness can be a thought. You can think happy thoughts to yourself, and many of you try to do that. Many of you try to pacify yourself with happy thoughts, but eventually you realize uh, they're, they're transparent, they're, they're almost fake. They don't last very long, and unfortunately, after doing happy thoughts for a while, then 
you find yourself crashing back down to the ground and even more disappointed in yourself than, than ever. It's not to say that happiness isn't in thoughts, but generally people try to think their way into happiness. Happiness is eventually uh, a feeling. And it's a feeling that isn't here, it's a feeling that starts here. As I said, the soul feels content, uh, you could say satisfied. The human uh, oftentimes is feeling the need to do more, to have more, to pursue more, to change more. The human is always in a state of wanting perfection, wanting something different, and, and feeling oftentimes disempowered from doing anything about it. So it's very, very rare that humans really have a sense in the present moment of happiness. But it is absolutely possible. It's the gift from Spirit, and it's time to open that gift up now. Not just in thinking about the past happy memories, not just dreaming about future happy memories, but opening that gift right now. The Master by now was getting impatient because he wanted to go out for a drive. So he said to the class, I'll take a few more questions. What's next? Oh, well, if I have health and finance issues, is it still possible to be happy? It makes it especially difficult, particularly health issues, to be happy. And of course, any of you who have had financial issues understand that it's very distracting from happiness. All of your attention gets focused on things like your health or your wealth. And then once again, you forget about the inherent nature of happiness that's with you. It's the gift that Spirit, your soul, gave you, knowing that you were going to have a lot of interesting experiences and said, and here's this thing of happiness that you can find, that you can come back to at any moment. It's always there, even in the worst storms. This happiness is, is always there. Even if there is disease in your body and even if your financial abundance is not flowing the way you'd like, I'd like you to find that happiness. It's always there. I'd like you to go back to it, even though everything tells you that there's no reason to be happy right now. And don't search for it through the mind. Come back to it through the heart. You come back to this place of the gift of happiness inherent in you, and it changes the direction of the energies. It changes the storm into a beautiful ocean breeze. Next. Master, I have two dogs. Woof, woof. Are pets happy? <laughs> if the human's happy. Ooh. If the human's happy. Because you see, pets are a reflection. Pets are a mirror. Pets are a way of uh, feeding back, whether it's a dog, cat, or any of your other pets. Uh, happy human, happy pet. A pet will pick up on all the feelings that you have and then essentially go through them themselves. Now, sometimes a pet will pick up on your, your imbalances, your mm -hmm. unhappiness, and absorb them for themselves. Sometimes a pet will even go so far as to take on a disease that you might have taken on otherwise. But ultimately, is a pet happy? Ultimately, philosophically, absolutely, because the pet is there in service to you no matter what you put it through. Mm. Thank you. Hmm. Master? What is the correlation between happiness and allowing? Hmm. 
I would say there's a direct correlation between happiness and allowing. In order to uh, have true happiness, uh, it's important to allow. And once you allow, you'll have true happiness. So I would say they go hand in hand. They're 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 like uh, uh, what are two things on the human level that go hand in hand? Uh, chocolate and cookies. So, but yes, they're they're really part of the same. Allowing, absolutely, and happiness. Master took a deep breath. He was starting to get a bit impatient. Now he had things to do, places to go, people to see, and mm. there comes a point where sometimes the questions just get. Well, lame, or or they just circle back on each other. So now the master took a deep breath and asked for the final question. Master, are you happy? The master looked up, addressing the student who had just asked the question, as if to ask for that question one more time. He was doing this uh, for theatrics, so everyone in the room would hear, and he raised his eyebrows as if to say, repeat that question. Master, are you happy? At this point, the master got up, took a deep breath, and said, No doubt. No doubt. And with that, he walked off, got in his vintage 911 Porsche, and drove off happily into the sunset. Enjoying the opportunity to get out for a drive in one of his many cars, he loved the car because it was a symbol of the adventure, of the road, of the journey. But now, instead of fighting the road, instead of struggling along the road, he had a lot of cars, a lot of old cars that he loved to work on, simply to enjoy the ride, not having to go anywhere other than just allowing the happiness. And so ends the story of the Master and the students. Good questions, dear Linda. And the moral of all this is quite simple. The Master ended the last question when somebody said, Master, are, are you happy? Are you happy? And he said, No doubt. No doubt I am. And that's the moral of the whole story. Doubts are the one thing that are going to take you away from happiness. Doubts. Doubting who you are. Doubting why you're here. Doubting where the planet is going right now, doubting your own capabilities, doubting your soul, doubting your mind, and definitely doubting your body. Those will all take away from the happiness that is right there. It's built into you. It's, it's built in on a, you could say, a soul level right into the human being. But the doubts will make it so you never see it. You never feel it. You rarely, rarely experience it. The Master said, No doubt I am, because, you see, he had long learned to let go of the doubts. And when he did, then the well-being, the feeling of well-being, of happiness, returned back to him, and he realized this was his natural state. Along the way, the Master had a lot of difficulties in his own life. He was a rambunctious teenager, got in a lot of trouble was going really down the wrong path at numerous times. It wasn't like he was some uh, prodigy or anything. No, he was, he was like so many of you. He had his conflicts and his challenges, and he had the scars, emotional and physical, to prove it. But once he got onto the path, once he got to a point where you're at right now, 
his teacher said to him, it's about no doubts, having no doubts anymore. And the Master thought to himself at the time, well, that sounds good, no doubts. But it's difficult for a human just to take a deep breath and let all their doubts go. The human is infested with doubts at every level. And when the human questioned the Master and said, well, how do I get over the doubts? How do I handle this doubt and that doubt and that doubt? The, his Master looked at him very sternly and said, you no longer have the luxury to doubt. You no longer have that luxury. That hit the Master hard. No longer having the luxury. And at first he wanted to scream out at, at his Master and say, what do you mean luxury? I don't, I don't like it at all. But he knew suddenly. He knew what that meant. He was giving himself this luxury of doubt. It's a game that he was playing with himself. It was an old, old game of doubt. And doubt isn't one of those things that you fight in battle and you go in and try to find every little area of doubt within yourself. You just realize you don't have that luxury anymore. It served you well to, to a degree, doubt. Uh, made you question things, especially yourself. Doubt helped to sharp, sharpen your sword uh, up to a point until you cut yourself really bad on it. Doubt gave you a mirror, but it was a very cracked mirror to look into. You no longer have the luxury of doubting yourself. It's time to move on. Time to start doubting whether you're really here for realization. Either do it or don't do it. It's time to stop doubting whether you're smart or stupid. Uh, time to start doubting whether you're as uh, good and worthy as anybody else. It's time to stop doubting whether it's your time for realization. You don't have that luxury anymore. It's now a matter of either letting it go and stop playing the doubt game, letting it go, or getting off the path, going back somewhere else. Let's take a good deep breath here on this day of, well, happiness. You see, doubt, doubt, will, doubt will destroy happiness, absolutely destroy it. And you have the right to be happy in your life. Well, it's not a philosophical discussion at all. You have the right for happiness, and you need that happiness in order to stay here on the planet as an embodied master. Let's take a deep breath as we go into our marab of happiness on this day. Good deep breath. Humans are filled with all sorts of doubt. It, from the moment they wake up in the morning, throughout the day and then well into their dream state. It's, it's doubt after doubt after doubt. To a degree, it serves kind of a purpose, helping you to understand more about yourself, helping you to understand more about who you truly are. But at a point, it just doesn't look good on you anymore, and you just have to let it go. No more doubt. Perhaps easier said than done, but you don't even have that luxury to contemplate it. Not right now, not where you are. Doubt tears you apart. 
doubt keeps you from understanding who you really are or remembering why you're here. Doubt will choke your passion. Gesundheit. And bless you. Doubt will wear you out and disease your body. It will slow down your mind and certainly slow down your awareness. You can't fight doubt. Well, it will just bring up more doubt. You doubt whether the fighting your doubt will even produce any results. You can't fight doubt. You can't really charm doubt either. In other words, charming and saying, well, dear doubt, let's let's just let's be nice to each other. I'm really a nice person. I just doubt myself a lot, but really, I'm a good person. You can't charm it. Really, I don't feel that doubt is something that you can even counsel out of yourself. You know, going to get counseling. Just the fact that you're on a counselor's chair or or sofa. It's going to cause you to doubt yourself. I mean, you wouldn't be there without doubt, and then it reinforces all the doubtfulness that you have. I don't think you can counsel out doubt by going back and reliving traumatic moments in your life. It actually, I believe, it would actually make you doubt yourself even more. Doubt is a game. It's the devil's game, ultimately. Doubt goes very, very deep. It gets in your mind. It goes into your heart. It seeps into your relationships, into everything. It seeps into your your financial life, your professional life. And doubt. I'm coming to this place on on your journey, staying here as an embodied master. I'll just tell you straight out, you don't have the luxury to doubt yourself anymore. That's it. It's, it's that plain. It's that simple. You don't have the luxury to doubt yourself. You're going to try. I know you're going to try. And oh, this next month is going to be an interesting month. You're going to get mad at me a lot. You're going to try to philosophize about doubt and happiness ad nauseum. Until it makes me want to spit. You're going to actually play a more intense game of doubt this next month because you're not sure if, well, you're doubting what I'm saying here. And at some point you're going to realize damn, that Adamus was right. I do not have the luxury of doubt anymore. Doubt is an emotional and mental game that you play with yourself. It keeps you human. It keeps you small. It keeps you lost. And you ask, can I just let go of the game? Can can I really do that? Don't ask that question in a doubting manner like like that. Yes. You can walk right beyond it. No more doubt. Now, here's what you're gonna face. You always use doubt as a tool to self-assess, to avoid uh, risks, and to make sure that things just didn't blow up on you. You doubted yourself when you felt even great periods of passion. You doubted 
afraid of standing out from others, afraid of, of being different, afraid that maybe it was wrong. You doubted yourself. And so you stayed small, really small. No more. No more. And just like we talked a while back about Machio, spiritual BS, spiritual distraction. We'll talk more about doubt in our next gathering, but there's a word for it I'll use later on. No doubt. No doubt. And it doesn't have a place here anymore. Not for you, not for other Chambra. You don't need that safety net anymore. You don't need that double check on yourself. You don't need the confinement that doubt puts you in. You don't need to double check on uh, your mind or your thoughts or your actions anymore. And I know you're going to encounter it as you ponder doubtlessness. Uh, what's going what's gonna to hold me in place? What's going to keep me in line? What's going to keep me from going crazy? What, if I don't doubt things that I do, what if, what if I just go off and do crazy things? No, no, you're doing crazy things right now by doubting yourself, by living small, by not being happy in every moment. That's crazy. Let's take a good deep breath on this day. When the student asked the Master, Master, are, are you happy? The Master simply replied, No doubt at all. His way of saying, Yes, I'm happy because I don't doubt myself. I am all that I am. I'm happy because I gave up that game a while back. And now I can be happy. Doubt is a murderer. Doubt is a rapist. Doubt is a thief. I simply told it to be out of my life. The Master is now on the open road in his antique red Porsche 911, driving down the road. He was smiling at himself about the beauty of that gathering, about how he'd left all the students thinking until the next gathering. He was driving off on this wide open road, no other traffic, sun starting to set. And he took a deep breath and said, All is well in all of creation. I am so damn happy. With that, dear Chambra, I don't need an audience, but <laughs> I really miss all of you. I am Adamus of Sovereign Domain. And so it is. Breathe in to the beauty, the ultimate beauty of this message. Just really feel into what Adamus has shared with us. So much beauty and grace in it. Just really feel into it and allow. It's that good deep breath. Be with it. 
that good deep breath. Just allow the energies to flow. Be with it. Breathe. Breathe for you and allow. No doubt. Just allow. So with that, thank you so much for being a part of this shout. This Merlin I am number eight. And realize we'll be back. And again, a special thanks to this incredible crew that we have right here with us on Hawaii. You could hear those birds chirping in the background and the beauty all around us. Thank you, everyone. And while Adama said no live audience, there were so many of us all over this globe feeling into the beauty of that message. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this adventure. Thank you. When I was a kid, about half past three, my daddy said, son, come here to me. Says things may come and things may go, but this is one thing you ought to know. Think what you do. It's the way hot she do it. Think what you do. It's the way hot she do it. Think what you do. It's the way hot she do it. That's what gets me Mama, mama. Think what you do. It's the time that she do it. Think what you do. It's the time that she do it. Think what you do. It's the time that you do it. That's what gets results. Oh. You can try hard. Don't mean a thing. Don't mean a thing. Take it easy. Greasy. Then you dive to swing. Oh, and think what you do. It's the place that you do it. Think what you do. It's the place that you do it. Think what you do. It's the place that you do it. That's what gets results.